It's the news this week on the Upper Memory Block Podcast. The year is 1988. I just bought King's Quest 4 to play on my PC. In 10 years, I'll be cool. Now I have Zach McCracken. I've got my hit book too. Damn, it's so low res. In 10 years, I'll be cool. I've got 640K on my new Tandy 1000. And I don't have to switch because I've got dual floppy drives. And I just got this thing that they call a sound blaster. It's like a larger Adlib card, but it's still PCI. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 61 of the Upper Memory Block podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe, and uh, this time, I'm not here really to talk to you about a game from the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era. We are here because of uh, my wonderful Patreon backers getting me above the $50 per episode uh, reward level, and so this is the uh, first of what I hope to be many uh, news-only podcasts. So this doesn't take away from the regular shows or anything, uh, anything like that. Uh, really what this is, is just an extra show thrown in, uh, thrown into the month where, uh, I'm going to kind of discuss a couple of news stories that, uh, that have come up over the past month. So now we're kind of looking at since, uh, the end of October, 2014 to about now it's November 23rd. So almost the end of November, uh, quite a lot of stuff going on. So, uh, yeah. And I kind of came up with this because, uh, you know, I've been asking people about about the show, you know, listeners like like you guys on Facebook, on Twitter, things like that. And, um, you know, one of the pieces of feedback that kept coming up was uh, either I skipped the news portion or I like the news. But if I go back and listen to old episodes or I'm a new listener and I'm listening to episodes, the shows are uh, to pull a term from uh, from my sister-in-law's boyfriend, Rob uh, Evergreen. And uh you know, when I go back and I listen to say episode five on space quest that I keep hearing about, you know, there's two year old news in there. So, uh, you know, I kind of got the, I don't listen to the news. Then I got some, Oh no, I listen to the news cause I don't really read gaming sites or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I rely on the show to, to keep up with things. So I didn't want to take out the news. And so I kind of figure this might be uh, the best of both worlds. Shall we, shall we say? So no news in the, uh, in the regular episodes. So those episodes kind of stand on their own. And then once a month, I do a rundown, uh, rundown of the news. So uh, that intro song you heard, uh, it's a little clip from a song called In 10 Years by H.P. Mendoza. And uh, you can find that on iTunes. I want to thank David for uh, posting that to the Facebook group. <laughs> I just posted kind of the first part that really focuses on PC gaming. And uh, he definitely captures my, uh, my childhood really well there, except I will point out one little issue talks about the ad lib and the sound blaster being PCI. I'm pretty sure the original ones were ISA, but you know what? It's just a song and it's a good one. So, uh, thanks Dave for posting that. And, uh, you know what? Let's, let's get right to it. No time for talk here. So first in the news back on October 22nd, like I said, we're going a little bit back, uh, to the end of October, uh, some news came out of 3D Realms, aka Apogee, aka it's all very complicated, but you know, 3D Realms, those guys, Commander Keen, uh, that's Apogee, but <laughs> uh, Duke Nukem, all those guys. Um, earlier this year, uh, much, if not all, of 3D Realms' IP, I think they just said basically 3D Realms, was purchased by a company called Interceptor Entertainment. Now, Interceptor 
uh, are the guys that did the remake of Rise of the Triad, which came out back in 2013. So with this acquisition of the IP of 3D Realms, uh, Interceptor is releasing what they've dubbed the 3D Realms Anthology. Uh, this is almost the entirety of 3D Realms' catalog, including games like Commander Keen, uh, all of them, Blake Stone, I think there's two Blake Stone games, Cosmos Cosmic Adventure, Death Rally, Raptor Call of the Shadows, Wacky Wheels, which is super important, uh, Shadow Warrior, Wolfenstein 3D, Duke Nukem, and much more. We're looking at over 30, I think there's exactly, if I counted right, 31 games in this uh, collection. Uh, now these games, now the original uh, news story I saw back on October 22nd said they were available for 20 bucks. Now I think that may have been a, a launch promo because when you go to uh, the site to try and buy this, it actually says it's $39.99 US. Uh, also included in this big package of 30 odd games is what they refer to as the re-rockestrated uh, soundtrack for all the games. I'm assuming that this means uh, that all the game soundtracks have been updated to sound, shall we say, a bit more modern. Uh, so you can grab the anthology, which uh, runs all the games from a new custom Windows launcher over at 3DRealms.com. So second, we have some major GOG news that I hinted at a little bit in the last episode on Laura Bow. So on October 28th, GOG announced uh, a new publishing partner, and boy, if it isn't a doozy. Yes, they got their hands on the right to the Disney Interactive slash LucasArts catalog with six awesome titles at launch. So the headline games, of course, at least in my mind, are X-Wing and TIE Fighter. Uh, both of the games are available in their original DOS versions and their enhanced Windows versions. Uh, to me, it's actually a little bit of an argument as to which is the superior version. Uh, I mean, the Windows version on the surface has better graphics, uh, slightly tweaked gameplay, but they miss one major element, both of them. They miss the iMuse event-based music system, which I talked about quite a bit back in the X-Wing episode. I can't remember what number it is right now, but if you want to hear more about that, go check out uh, that episode. So both X-Wing and TIE Fighter have not been available for digital download anywhere before. So, you know, this is a really big get for GOG and an amazing opportunity for uh, fans of the series like us. Uh, as, you know, personally, as both a Star Wars fan and a Space Sim fan, both of these games hold an incredibly huge place in, in my personal gaming history. X-Wing was probably the first game that I'd ever read about kind of before it launched. I remember seeing an ad for it and freaking out saying, oh my God, I, I get to fly Star Wars ships. This is incredible. And, um, you know, it's also one of the first games I ever wanted to buy right at launch. I think it came out in what, like 93. So I was 81, 91, 10, I was 12. Yeah, I was 12 years old in 93. So I didn't really have a concept of, you know, reading game magazines a lot. I had just started around that time. So I wasn't really up on things. I'd always find out about games after they came out or, you know, a friend would have had them or something like that. But when I saw that ad for X-Wing, I want, I knew I wanted that game. So I tracked it. I figured out what day it was coming out. I figured out how to convince my parents to buy it and all this stuff. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just huge for me in my gaming history. And, um, you know, as for TIE Fighter, I think I said this also in that same episode where I talked about them, but TIE Fighter basically took everything that was amazing about X-Wing 
and tweaked it so it was virtually perfect. You know, X-Wing, the combat was good. It was a little bit challenging at times. And, uh, you know, there was story, but there wasn't quite as much. And TIE Fighter, they took it, I think, and almost you could say they kind of mashed it together with some elements from Wing Commander. There was a much more engrossing story in TIE Fighter. The combat was even more kind of intense. They added some really great quality of life things like, uh, you know, match speed with target, different types of warheads, uh, you know, optional mission goals, just... You know, I, I'll very readily, I think I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I will defend this with my honor, I'll very readily put TIE Fighter forward as one of the best space sims of all time. I know it's kind of that, either that or Free Space 2, or there's a couple of others, but TIE Fighter, to me, at least in my experience, is a game that I love to go back to. I haven't got them off GOG just yet, but uh, once I do, I think uh, I'm going to have to set aside some time because I, I think I'm going to burn through the whole thing. So on top of X-Wing and TIE Fighter, I know I kind of went off a little bit on those ones, um, the original Sam and Max Hit the Road is also now available. Uh, this is one of my favorite LucasArts adventure games uh, that's also not been around for legal di digital download anywhere. Uh, you know, I like this game so much. The first episode of, of UMB Cast was all about it, and I'm, I'm certain in that one, if I go back and listen, uh, you know, I said there's no way to get it legally. Well, now there is. As for the rest of them, uh, you can get Monkey Island Special Edition, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, and Knights of the Old Republic. Now, these games were already available on other platforms like Steam, but uh, you can now also get them DRM-free on GOG.com. Uh, you know, I'm hoping we can see some other games come out soon. I mean, Loom, The Dig, and uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade are, uh, I believe, already available on Steam, so those are, you know, they should be easy. Um... I'd also love to see Maniac Mansion and Day of the Tentacle, Zach McCracken, the Flight Sims I talked about in a previous episode, and hopefully a few more Star Wars games on, uh, on GOG soon enough. Still, I can't think of a better publisher you know, for, for GOG to partner with and to get on board. Uh, I'm very, very pleased that with the, uh, the Lucasfilm acquisition, Disney realized they took the time to look around and realized what a treasure trove of classic games, both adventure and otherwise, they were sitting on. And I'm glad they they took the step to find a way to make them available for hopefully for people like us and also for uh, for people who've never played them before. So back on November 3rd, uh, we got some big Star Citizen news. So Chris Roberts showed off the game's new first-person combat module. Uh, this is yet another add-on to what is becoming a, a pretty massive endeavor from uh, Roberts Space Industries. The, uh, I think that's the name. I, I think that's the name of the company. Or is it something else? It might be RSI. Anyways, from the company that Chris Roberts founded to make Star Citizen. Uh, you know, the graphics in this first-person combat module are damned, impress are damned impressive. I think it's on uh, CryEngine 3 or something like that. Um, they're going for a very high level of realism. I think Robert said there's no, there's no concept of auto-aim, like you have to aim your gun the way you'd aim your gun in real life. Um, you know, it's going to be standard kind of corridor combat and uh, also first-person combat in zero-G. Uh, this first-person combat module has been farmed out to a developer called, I believe, Ilphonic. Uh, who've done some FPS work for uh, for THQ. Um, you know, I keep saying it. Uh, this portion of the game, from what I saw, looks awesome. It's detailed, it's realistic. Uh, the demo they showed at PAX Australia looked great. The multiplayer looked cool. 
But this is yet another huge chunk of gameplay that they're tacking on to what is, you know, as of yet, or what's supposed to be an unfinished space sim. Uh, you know, I back Star Citizen. I keep being impressed by the portions of the game that were shown, but I keep questioning if they can do everything they say in a reasonable amount of time with the polish that I'm expecting. You know, as usual, I'll be watching this one very, very closely. I've been watching the project since its inception. I was very excited and I continue to be excited, but, you know, is Chris Roberts doing too much? Actually, you know, I'd like you guys to, to, to let me know if, if any of you are following Star Citizen, if you back Star Citizen, if you didn't back Star Citizen, you know, let me know. Is he doing too much? Is he going to be able to pull all this off? Like, I don't see a game here in any shape going towards release. It seems like he's working on like five different games at the same time that are all supposed to meld together at the end. And, you know, I know not, you know, from a, a game perspective, but just in general, I know how projects like this go. There's feature creep going on here. And, you know, is it all going to meld together at the end? Is it going to end up being not what we wanted? Is it end up going to being not what he promised? Cause he promised us the world. And, I'm starting, I'm optimistic, but I'm starting to be a little bit skeptical here. So let me know what you think. Podcast at umbcast.com. Okay, so next, we already talked about LucasArts. We already talked about 3D Realms. We already sort of talked about Origin. I guess we should also talk about Sierra. So when Activision announced their uh, new Sierra indie label a while back, one of the big points was that there would be a new Kim's King's Quest game coming out. Now, it's being developed by, uh, by a group called The Odd Gentleman. Now, on November 3rd, The Odd Gentleman put out a blog post. It appears, smartly, I think, that they invited Ken and Roberta Williams over to their offices to see what they've been doing with uh, their version of uh, Ken and Roberta's game that kind of started it all. It appears that Roberta was suitably impressed. After their meeting, she sent uh, the Odd Gentleman team the following email, and it reads, To Matt, Lindsay, Bill, and Scott, I too wish to thank you for a lovely morning yesterday reliving, to some extent, my old life as a Sierra game designer. I admit that I was a bit skeptical at first, and also somewhat nervous because I haven't been in the computer game industry, notice I call it the computer game industry rather than uh, the video game industry, that shows how far back I go, uh, in too many years to contemplate. But you guys blew me away with your ideas, your creativity, and the beauty of the newest King's Quest game. But best of all, I could see that you are truly the ones to take King's Quest into the 21st century and reintroduce it to a whole new generation. You totally have it down. I can't wait to see how it develops, I can't wait to play it myself, and I truly can't wait to see how it blows away the competition. Best to you, Roberta. Well... That's high praise if I've ever heard it, and uh, you know it gives me quite a bit of faith that uh, that the odd gentlemen are taking the game in the right direction. I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to seeing what they're cooking up. Next, on November fourth, Kotaku interviewed uh, Tim Schafer about his upcoming Grim Fandango remake. Now, in that interview, Schaefer mentioned something interesting. Uh, the question of a Grim Fandango sequel came up. Now, Schaefer said that he thought the sequel would be a little bit difficult due to, you know, if you've played the game, what happens to Manny in the end uh, of the original. 
However, he's kind of he's been kind of throwing some things around, and he was thinking that he could conceivably make a game within the same world, where you play a different character. Uh, with that character, you traverse the world in an open manner, kind of Grand Theft Auto style. Now, Schaefer says that open world games like GTA have a lot of elements of adventure gaming in them. So basically, all I have to do is take Grand Theft Auto, take out the guns, and add in an inventory, and boom, you have an adventure game in an open world. Now, to me, an adventure game in an open world is almost an RPG. It's kind of an RPG without character progression, but hey, whatever. I mean, definitely, it'd be an interesting idea uh, to do that kind of thing, and uh, you know, the world of Grim Fandango is absolutely an interesting one. It'd be interesting to kind of have a sort of unique, funny, surreal sort of open world adventure RPG type thing. Uh, the one thing that makes me worry about something like this is is Tim Schafer's recent record. Um, you know, I was kind of saying the same thing about Chris Roberts, but, uh, you know, with Schaefer, uh, Double Fine, Space Base DF9 was cut short, although Double Fine's kind of spinning it as, no, it's not cut short, we're just releasing it. <laughs> and we're not doing everything that uh, was on the roadmap. Uh, we still haven't seen the promised second part of Broken Age. Uh, I love Tim Schafer. I really, really do. I mean, everything he's done, Monkey Island, Full Throttle, Grim Fandango. I mean, he's 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 incredible. But, uh, you know, he's burned up a little bit of the goodwill that he has with me. But, um, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm still... Uh, I'm still interested in what he has to say. I'm still interested in what ideas he has. But um, let's just say I'm a little bit wary of buying into his ideas right off the bat these days, especially when they sound really, really big and really, really complex. Because recently, like I said, he hasn't necessarily shown to be able to deliver on everything he promises. All right, more LucasArts. So since we were just talking about Tim Schafer, let's let's talk about two more LucasArts alums. So Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick, who are the team that brought us the original LucasFilms games adventure Maniac Mansion, are back together. So just a few days ago, they launched a Kickstarter for a game called Thimbleweed Park. Now they're promising a game that will make us feel like we're playing a lost LucasArts adventure that was never published. Uh, you know, we don't know much about the actual story or setting of the game, aside from some random screenshots, which I assume come from, you know, what they're intending to do. From those screenshots, I'm getting sort of a Twin Peaks, X-Files-y sort of vibe off the thing, but I might be completely off. We basically have uh, a few stills. Uh, the graphics are very reminiscent of kind of Maniac Mansion, Monkey Island, Day of the Tentacle type, a little bit better than Maniac Mansion. Like, pretty big-looking sprites, nice and detailed, but, uh, you know, still definitely uh, VGA. Now, I haven't backed many video game Kickstarters as of late, but this one definitely got my attention. I've absolutely enjoyed Ron Gilbert's recent work on things like Death Spank, The Cave, and even his mobile game, Scurvy Scallywags. He's a guy that, unlike two previous people I've been talking about, uh, can definitely deliver. So... That, along with the vibe I'm getting off the campaign page, actually gets me pretty excited. Uh, they're at $350,000 of their $375,000 goal, so things are looking good. I think there's something like 24 days left, so I'm pretty sure they're going to make it. But um, if you would like to support Thimbleweed Park, you can check them out on Kickstarter. And as always, the link will be in the show notes. 
And since we chatted about Star Citizen before, I think it's only fair that we talk about Elite Dangerous. Ever since the initial Kickstarter for Elite Dangerous, which, uh, you know, was a follow-on to the very classic uh, space trucker, the original space trucker, space trading game Elite that I have yet to talk about on the show, actually, uh, since the initial Kickstarter, one of the promised features of the game was single-player offline play. Well, on the 17th of November, David Brabin, a lead designer of both the original Elite and the new Elite Dangerous, announced that offline single player would not be delivered in the launch version of the game. Basically, he says this is a question of prioritization of more important features pending the game's launch on December 16th. So we've got less than a month till uh, till Elite comes out. Uh, of course, there was much gnashing of teeth and rending of garments on the game's forums. How could you do this? How could you lie to us? This is horrible and I want to take my money back and this, that, and the other thing. However, what people may have decided not to notice was that it's not as though the offline single-player feature is off the table. It's merely been pushed post-release. Brabin also assured players that um, the online single-player experience will work well even on spotty connections. This isn't like a Twitch thing. It's kind of just a a heartbeat, kind of an update-the-world kind of uh, experience. So it's not as though you need a consistently fast connection to play single player online. You just need a connection. Finally, in Kickstarter news, if you remember back about two years uh, when I first started the show, we talked about Hero U, a game from Laurie and Corey Cole, the creator of uh, Sierra's Quest for Glory series. Well, after two years of development, almost exactly two years of development, uh, and obviously missing their original October 2013 release estimate, they are back with a new promised release date, October 15th, 2015. Uh, according to their latest backer update, they're 90% complete on art and music and are making great progress on the actual writing of the game. Uh, with this in mind, they estimate just under a year until Hero U will be ready for prime time. So if you're interested in learning more about Hero U, you can check out their site at herou.net. All right, so that's that for the first news-only show. I'm going to be playing with the format of these moving forward, so uh, let me know what you think. I think this is kind of about a good time to be throwing news at you. Uh, I don't want to go too long and get overly wordy unless you know something really really big comes up or if i get some emails from you guys obviously i'll read those or voicemails or you know if you guys want to chat about something in particular let me know i mean these new shows I'm, I'm figuring out what i want them to be uh i like this but uh as i said let me know what you think so upcoming uh this week probably uh in in the next regular umb cast like i said in the last episode we'll be covering sid meyer's silent service series that's a lot of s's uh, as always, you can email me about this show or any others at podcast at umbcast.com. Please do. Love your email, as always. Um, of course, the reason I'm doing this news-only show is uh, thanks to my great patrons over at patreon.com slash umbcast. If you find some value from the show, please consider joining my 15 current patrons and donating a buck or two per episode to help me with costs and hit the next goal of quarterly group discussion episodes. I think these will be really, really cool 
get together with a few of us, have a chat, talk about memories, talk about issues, talk about specific games, talk about genres, talk about anything. You know, I think it'll be a lot of fun to have people who aren't just me, you know, on a Skype call or whatever, your Google Hangout or whatever, and we can have some fun with it. So you can check out show notes uh, for this show at umbcast.com. Join the Facebook group over at facebook.com slash group slash umbcast. That's where I uh, find a lot of the news that uh, I talked about today. Follow the show on Twitter, twitter.com slash umbshow. Me personally, twitter.com, billybob476. You can find the show on YouTube at youtube.com slash umbcast, where I'm hoping to put up some videos of uh, Silent Service this week. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, stream us live at Stitcher Radio, and uh, leave me some reviews there. They're really, really, really great. So for the outro to these shows, the news shows, I thought it'd be cool to find some interesting music to play instead of just playing the regular stuff. So I went over to uh, OC Remix. I'm actually uh, going to credit Scott Johnson and his uh, Boop Gaming news show for this because he does this and uh, people love it. But uh, he tends more towards uh, you know console type stuff. So I, I delved into the DOS section on OC Remix. And uh, I found a great metal version of uh, the Monkey Island theme called Pirate Shout. It's by Audio Fidelity, Derek Miller, Eric Griffin, and Marcus Afelt. So we'll give that a listen and uh, go check it out if you want to, too. I'll post the, the link to that in the show notes. So thanks, everyone. And I'll see you in, uh, in a little under a week with Silent Service.